0: From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. This is breaking news. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. We're going to have a little unorthodox beginning to our podcast here. Uh, After we recorded our draft preview, the news broke that Andrew Luck has officially retired. Uh, Now, this news broke uh, yesterday evening. That would have been Saturday night during the Colts game. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure that we addressed it uh, for the draft preview or it wouldn't have been much of a draft preview uh, with me as always here, Tony Perenni. and uh, Tony, what do you think about this news?
1: Uh, I mean, we've been sitting around all off season waiting for some breaking news to drop on something. Just, I mean, we've, we've said nonstop uh, how little news has been happening on the injury front, on the suspension front. There really hasn't been much to talk about. And then you, you finally two weeks from the start of the season, uh, get hit with this big one. And, uh, to, uh, to quote the legendary Clark Griswold, if I woke up tomorrow morning with my headstone to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. This might be the most shocking news I've ever seen come through the NFL this close to the NFL season. It's, it's, uh, I don't know how you react to it from the standpoint of a Colts fan, from the standpoint of a fantasy football player, uh, the organization itself—it feels like everybody was blindsided by this. Um, and as as Kevin Hewlett mentioned in our, our Discord yesterday, you know, Luck hasn't really even entered the prime of his career, and he's walking away. Uh, obviously, fought a lot of injuries through the many years. Uh, the last regime didn't do a very good job of protecting him in the pocket, but. Uh, They have one of the best general managers of football now with Chris Boward. And he has done a very good job of building a wall around Andrew Luck to the point where he wasn't getting hit very often at all last year. His best football was very clearly ahead of him. And uh, to just walk away from that at 29, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still stunned by it.
0: Yeah. And essentially, you know, for those who saw Andrew Luck's presser after the game, uh, and again, that news was dropped during the game. He apparently he had a conversation with Jim Merce, uh, Colts' owner, uh, and maybe others. And so the news dropped during the game. Uh, and if you if you go and watch the clip, I and mean, the fans find out during the game and begin booing Andrew luck as he then leaves the field. So it's it's really basically in his presser he was talking that uh, you know in twenty sixteen, he played through the injuries and he's gone through this cycle of injury, pain, rehab, injury, pain, rehab. And it essentially is just, it's impacting every aspect of his life. And and the only way to break that cycle is to leave football. So from a human perspective, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, and we've kind of, we've talked about it here, Tony, where Andrew Luck has had these injuries and they're not healing. And I brought up, you know, is this the beginning of the end for Andrew Luck? And I, I didn't expect that answer to be yes, this fast. But it's not terribly surprising now, you know, 12 hours removed from the news. But it's uh, it's I mean, it still is shocking.
1: Yeah. And the, the, the timing of it is what's brutal here. You come out in February and you do this, you know, it is what it is. Like some people, uh, they don't want to play the game for 10, 12, 15 years like Brady is. Not everybody's wired that way. and That's, that's OK. If, if, if you want to walk away um preserve your life the way it is right now, not take any more hits. I don't I don't blame him. But for the news to drop this close to the season in a year where uh you know you had Super Bowl aspirations because of this guy. Uh it, it's just brutal news. And I I I've seen on Twitter the, the media really beating up on the Colts fans about the booing and um I, th- I think we just really got to keep it in context on that one. You know th- those Colts fans have shelled out a lot of money for season tickets, expecting a big season. Um, expecting a number of big seasons uh, coming up with Andrew Luck's age and, and to find out that all of a sudden you go from Super Bowl contender to uh, probably stuck in purgatory for a number of years uh, within 10 minutes during a football game. While you can visibly see the guy down on the field who did it to you. I mean, it, it, I, can, I can definitely see why they booed. I don't think their reaction would be the same uh, a couple months from now. If, if Andrew Luck comes to a game and they honor him, they're going to have a standing ovation the way they would for anybody who's, you know, fought that hard for the organization. Uh, like you mentioned offline, you know, the Colts have had a lot of luck, uh, pun, pun intended. intended. <laughs> <laughs> on the quarterback front, you go from Peyton Manning, uh, who's a Hall of Famer, to Andrew Luck, who's on a Hall of Fame pace right after that. I mean, they've, they've seen amazing quarterbacking over the last 20 years, and... Uh, you know, when you put a little bit of distance between this event and, you know, that realization, they're going to they're going to piece that together. They're going to be thankful for the years that, that luck gave them. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be his entire story of his career is going to be a what if story. You know, um, this guy had was the most talented quarterback we've seen come out of the draft in a decade plus um, to see him walk away like this when he was on a hall of fame trajectory it's just mind-numbing it's something you don't normally see
0: yeah and i i'm with you i think it's the timing that is the most surprising here and i don't you know and what what were the in, what is the injury situation exactly you know because we've we've been fed a lot of vagueness which is which is pretty common in the preseason. You know, but at what point was Andrew Luck going to be able to play at any real level um, or was this going to be a most of the season injury? And at that point, I don't know why you don't just let the team put you on IR uh, and and play out the, you know, the season and and retire in the offseason or come out and say, hey, this is going to be my last year uh, to essentially just up and and bounce like this. I, I do understand why why the Colts fans booed and especially, you know, they're reacting to the immediate Andrew Lux retiring. That was all that was out there at the time. Um, so it almost seems like a guy who's, who's up and quitting on you, but, uh, you know, definitely. I, I I'm with you. I think this is the most shocking thing I've, I've heard in the season or right before the season like this. Um, so Jacoby Brissett, is going to be the guy in Indy now, uh, from a fantasy standpoint, Tony, what do you do with that? Anything?
1: Uh, this this definitely hurts a number of pieces on the Colts offense. We, we kind of addressed um, in last week's episode the possibility that Luck would be missing some games. And uh, I, I stand by the fact I don't think it, it hurts the tight ends a whole lot. I think Ebron and Doyle are probably going to be about what they are. Ebron was going to probably regress from a touchdown standpoint anyway. Um. I don't think it affects them too much. The only Colt that we have who was kept in the league was Marlon Mack for Kalen King's team, and he's got him for $6. So I think this could actually be an uptick in carries for Mack. Um, you know, the box is going to be a little more crowded now without Luck's uh, Lux arm there to loosen up the defense. But I, th- I think Mack still gets his touches. I think he'll still get a decent number of catches out of the backfield uh, and at the end of the day, Kalen kept him for $6. You don't have to get uh, a mountain of production out of somebody you kept for $6 at the end of the day. I, I think he's still going to be a worthwhile keeper for, for Kalen there. Um, but the receivers, I think this definitely hurts. You know, T.Y. Hilton was sitting there with a projected value in the mid 30s, which I thought was one of the best values in the entire draft. Because with a healthy Andrew Luck throwing the football, he has a potential to be a top five receiver. Um, not the case with Jacoby Brissett now. It'll be interesting to see where he goes tomorrow in our draft now because um, I can still see him going for close to 30, if not a little more, but you're not expecting the same production. He's no longer a value at that spot. Now That just kind of is what his price is. So. Um, other receivers there, you know, maybe there were some expectations for Paris Campbell as a first-round pick. I, I didn't really see it in his first year. I really like Paris Campbell, but I think Hilton's really the guy you're going for in that offense, and I think this hurts, uh, hurts his production level quite a bit.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, this is going to have a, a trickle-down effect, <clears throat> you know. And how, how good is Jacoby Brissett? We're going to find out. Uh, you know, he's been the backup there for a few years, uh, but it's definitely I'm still just shocked by the news. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's Tony, crazy. you know, Tony, when it rains, it pours. And we not only have lost Andrew Luck for the season, but we lost another starting running back for the season. Uh, last night, Lamar Miller, Houston Texans running back, goes down with what is expected to be a torn ACL will likely be out the whole season. Uh, Paving the way for Duke Johnson there. Uh, Tony, uh, his average auction value is going to be about $5. Uh, How much of an impact do you think this makes? Uh, I think this is
1: definitely big for Duke. He wanted more touches. Uh, He's going to get them. Uh, I'm not convinced the Texans are done adding people, but I'm not sure how much ammo they have left at this point to do it. They, They pretty grossly overpaid for Duke Johnson, in my opinion. Um, to suggest that they're going to go out and trade for Melvin Gordon. Now, I'm not sure what their cap situation's like, but even if they had the money, it's probably going to cost them a, a first round pick or a second and plus at this point, because they, they just went and set the market for Duke Johnson. So, um, it's a rough spot for the Texans to be in. It's a good spot for Duke Johnson to be in. If he's going for $5, I, I, I got to think that doubles now. He, he's probably going for close to 10 especially with his pass-catching ability in a PPR league. Probably see him go around for around $10, 12 in this draft now. So uh, we, we knew the injuries were coming at some point. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago. Uh, it, it's not a jinx. It's just uh, it's it's the law of averages. Eventually it was going to happen. And we have our first big one on the eve of our draft.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I, I saw, you know, in in speaking with these, kind of going back to the Andrew Luck thing, OJ Simpson on his Twitter, uh, you could tell they were still at a draft party. And he was very upset because he had just drafted Andrew Luck about an hour before the news dropped. OJ Simpson, not a guy I want on my bad side. <laughs> but, you know, I, I th- this is why, too, we wait to draft until after week three of the preseason. Um, you know, different leagues do different things. Some like to draft early, and hey, you're going to roll the dice with these injuries. Uh, we we kind of took a stand early on to say we'd rather wait and not draft a guy for 50 bucks who then goes down with a big injury. So this is this is the reason it's it's showing here. Uh, week three being the dress rehearsal is the the most likely chance that a guy is going to go down with a season ender or most of a season injury. Uh, Kind of still surprised that it's really only two big offensive names in Lamar Miller and now Andrew Luck. Uh, So I'm, I expect, you know, I'm with you law of averages. I'm a probability guy as well. I think the first couple weeks of the season, we're going to see some big names going down.
1: Uh, I think you're right. Unfortunately, because uh, it feels like teams have been doing less and less contact in these training camps. Uh, Guys haven't been playing as much in preseason games as they normally do to get ready for the season. And um, once you get out there, when the bullets are really flying in week one, it's, it's a different atmosphere. It's a different speed. Um, a lot of these guys have not gone at that speed very much in the last couple months. Uh, it's it's a scary situation from an injury standpoint, because that's when the injuries typically happen is when people really aren't in full game shape yet. Uh, and I, I think I think you're right. I think we're, we could be in for a rough first couple of weeks as guys really start getting acclimated to the full contact for 60 minutes.
0: Yeah, it, it, I think I think it's going to be a, a rough one. I think a lot of guys, you know, as you draft, you're looking at handcuffs, uh, especially with with how few injuries we've had. You know, they're coming. Uh, so, like I said, definitely an unorthodox start to our podcast here. Uh, But stay tuned with us. We will have the original recording of the podcast uh, that was recorded uh, Saturday morning before the news of Andrew Luck broke. But like I said, it would not have been a true draft preview without talking about these latest two stories. Uh, So enjoy the originally recorded Frosty Podcast. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Podbean. This is our final preseason episode. Tony, you ready to do some draft?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. I'm glad it's finally here. I can almost taste the wings.
0: Yeah, buddy. Uh, For those of us in Northeast Ohio, Streetsboro Buffalo Wild Wings will be the spot. Eat some wings, drink some beer, draft some guys. Those of you who don't live in Northeast Ohio sucks to be you. Let's get right into it, Tony. So the question looming out there is what are we going to do with these guys that are still holding out? Because there's some big names out there, Tony.
1: Yeah, I think you got to start right at the top with Zeke. Um, word is he was coming back from Cabo. There's a contract contract. On the desk to be signed, it does not make him the top paid running back ever. I can't imagine that's what he's looking for. I can't imagine this ends there with that contract. But I think the fact that they're negotiating uh, is a good sign in this. I still maintain I think he's back week one. Where are you at on it?
0: Yeah, so I was watching uh, Sports Center this morning, and across the bottom was that Cowboys expect Zeke to be there week one. Um, So on Thursday, ESPN reported that the Cowboys offered Zeke a contract worth more than Le'Veon Bell's four-year $52.5 million contract, but less than Todd Gurley's four-year $57.5 million contract. So he's somewhere between 52.5 and 57.5 with the the contract that the Cowboys offered. Uh, So... We're not far off at this point from where I think Zeke wanted to be and where the Cowboys want him to be. Yeah, it could just
1: require some minor tweaking on the Cowboys' parts to get this done now. Maybe it's moving around the guaranteed money a little bit. Um, I'm sure that Zeke wants to be the highest paid running back in the league. I don't blame him. That's usually what happens in this situation. When you're the next man up, you set the new mark for people to shoot to. Um, So... I don't blame him at all for wanting that. The, the facts in the case are that Zeke has had some issues in past off seasons that are in his ledger that don't make him as clean a negotiation as Todd Gurley was. Uh, fair or foul? I still think it's fair for him to push for that top mark, but it's also fair for the Cowboys to push back a little bit. So I think you're going to see a little bit of this going back and forth over the next two weeks before the season kicks off. But I do expect that they're going to get it done. Um, will they get it done by Monday when we're drafting? Um, doubtful. So, what do you think people do with him on draft night?
0: I I think you draft him as somewhat normal. Um, the the re- the thing that I always get nervous about when guys hold out, don't go to training camp, et cetera, are injuries. You know, their first, you know, we talk about the preseason, how, you know, how beneficial is it? But at the end of the day, you're getting live reps. And in a controlled environment, you're only playing, you know, you kind of ease into it, right? Zeke hasn't even practiced with the team. So all he's done is what he's able to do on his own in Cabo and then now back, you know, back at home. So ESPN has an average auction value for him right now of fifty four point three. I think that sounds about right. We, we've talked that uh, you know guys are going to go for higher, especially running backs, because we have a lot of the top running backs off the board due to the keepers. But I do think that those numbers are going to be tamed a little bit. I think some people are maybe are away from from Zeke. So I, I would expect him to still go in that fifty-five dollar range. I would be surprised to see him at sixty, where like they're predicting. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be in the draft like an Alvin Kamara would be, um, you know. So I, I'm a little bit that I, I, that's where I would be comfortable drafting him. I would be nervous to go up to sixty, not because I think he would miss games, but because I think his risk of injury is a lot higher now.
1: I think I'm think you're about in the right spot there. And, and the question here um, is when you look at the opportunity cost that Vince had keeping him, it would have been $52. It looks like he might be going for more than $52 now. I agree with you. I think he goes in around the 55-ish range, which means uh, it's a small bargain, but Vince could have had a bargain by keeping him. Um, obviously, his situation was a little more unsettled the last time we talked with Vince uh, about a week ago, um, that's how how fast things are moving here in the NFL. At this point, as you get closer to the season, so um, not going to come out and say Vince looks bad for not keeping him. That would be ridiculous. We already mentioned his keepers look really sound, and he's got a lot of money to spend in the draft. So if he wants to go back after him in the draft, it might just end up costing him a couple more dollars. But what's three or four or five bucks at that point? Um, For somebody you were already really planning on keeping for most of the offseason, it's it's a very small cost to pay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and Vince is the one that keeps him. You know, he's going to have Nick Chubb, who is going to be RB1 until Kareem Hunt comes back, you know, week nine. So, you know, to have two RB1s on your roster, uh, you know, that's going to be a heck of a, a heck of an opportunity. But the risk that Vince had with dropping him is that somebody else can come in now and snag him. Um, so maybe there is somebody out there saying, "Listen, I I know the risk of injury, but there's a risk of injury with every player. You know, De- Devontae Freeman for me last year played like a half, and that was it. You know, and, and I kept him on the roster the whole year. So, uh, you know, I I would this may be the year that I would veer away from him, but if we look at the other you know top ten running backs available." You have Saquon Barkley, who's going to go, I think, sixty plus, almost to sixty-five. Who now with these knee injuries, I don't, I don't know how high he will go. Uh, J, then James White, Melvin Gordon, who we'll talk about here in a minute, and that, that's it. That's all is left for top ten of it, top ten uh, player ranks in running backs. There's five of them, half of them are already off the board.
1: Yeah, and that, that might inflate his cost a little bit. So it's interesting to look for because there's a handful of people that don't have for RB1s out there. And um, almost everybody we talked to out there is going to be looking to spend on running backs coming into this draft. So is it possible he hit 60? I think so. I think it's more likely he settles in around the $55 range, like you mentioned. Um, I think 60 is obviously going to be eclipsed by Saquon. Uh, Could be by Le'Veon. I don't, we'll we'll see on that one, but um, I I don't know if Zeke will be going there or not. David Johnson as well. Um, I could definitely see him hitting 60 if he had been in this draft, but Tim keeping him for 62 doesn't look like that bad of an idea right now. So um, be interesting to see where he goes.
0: You know, and a guy that I, I just mentioned here is the next guy on our list to talk about. Uh, in a similar contract dispute and that's Melvin Gordon. Now that deal does not look like it's anywhere near done. And they're expecting him at this point to hold out into the season. Tony, what, uh, what do you think here about Melvin Gordon?
1: I think he has played his last game in a Chargers uniform. I don't think you're seeing that lightning bolt on his helmet ever again at this point. Uh, this negotiation has gone a lot worse than the Zeke one has. I, I still think there's a possibility out there that he gets traded before the season starts. I really do. Uh, I think there's some teams out there. The compensation is going to be the moot point on this because it probably isn't going to cost them that much for a guy. The Chargers aren't going to pay anyway, You're Thinking you conditional third, maybe turns to a second or something like that. Um, the question is going to be whether that team is willing to pay him what he wants. Um, Some team out there that has cap space might be willing to do that. So I'm not giving up hope that he doesn't get traded. But I don't feel like you can draft on Monday night, assuming that he's going to get traded at this point. I think his value might be down in the 30s right now. And that might even be steep for me right now with how unsettled the situation is. What
0: about you? Yeah, I'm with you there. And I think this is... This is a prime situation for a team like maybe Charlie who doesn't have a real great team coming into this to snag a guy with more of a idea for next year to ke- uh, be able to keep him because Melvin Gordon is a heck of a talent and I, I don't obviously it matters what team he plays for you know if, if he has a good o-line versus not is going to really impact his production and especially not knowing where he's going. But great running backs are great running backs, and they end up scoring a lot of touchdowns for you. So ESPN has him now just south of 36 at 35.7. So you can get an RB1 for the, in the $30 range, but when is he available as your RB1 is the question. Uh, I'm with you. I think something gets done before the season or right around the season, you know, we haven't finished week three of preseason. There could be a running back that goes down tonight and or tomorrow. And now all of a sudden a team is in need of an RB one and Melvin Gordon, you know, pay him a little bit more. Give him a, you know, give him a contract and you got to you got a solid RB one on your team. So I, I wouldn't necessarily shy away from him. I'm certainly not going above 40, 45 for him but if if some of those and i i don't think he's going to be amongst the first running backs put on the block so if i'm a team i don't have a good running back i wasn't willing to pay 60 plus for saquon uh i wasn't willing to pay probably 60 for Gurley. zeke elliott scares me I might be looking to jump on Melvin Gordon and take the gamble that he comes back earlier in the season rather than later.
1: You bring up a good point with the keeper aspect of it, that, because that's obviously a variable here. You get him for around $30. That means next season you have him for $35 when He, he will be back up and running for next season for sure. Um, as you mentioned, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I, I do think eventually he will get dealt and will be playing this year. I can't imagine he sits out the entire season um, and just takes fines all season long for that. Um, but I'm not sure where they are in discussions with teams at this point. I think a team to watch out for without having their salary cap figures in front of me right now to see where they are cap wise would be Tampa Bay. They have a lot of weapons on that offense. They have very suspect running back play with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones and, um, I didn't see a lot of that uh, preseason game last night with the Bucks and Browns, but I was, I was hearing through Twitter that Jones doesn't look a whole lot better coming into this year. He still has a lot of the same issues he did last year. Um, he was kind of the guy they were relying on taking second round to come and grow into their running back of the future. And it's not looking like it's happening. Peyton Barber is just a placeholder. He's not a great running back. So if their cap situation is right, I wouldn't it would not surprise me to see them go after him, to add that to the Bruce Arians offense with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, and with Winston throwing the ball there. Um, but as as I mentioned, you can't go in assuming something like that happens in the draft. So I really do think his value is around thirty bucks. It'll be interesting to see uh, if if people are in troll mode when it comes to nominating people and start throwing out all these names first to see where they go. Uh, If he's one of the first five people nominated, it'll be really interesting to see what people are willing to pay for him that early in the draft without having anybody else in their team ironed out yet. Um, That could be the most, most drama of all of it right there.
0: Yeah. And one of the, one of the things with the ESPN draft is that it's, it's a short amount of time. So when a guy gets thrown on the board, you know, there, there may not be a ton of time to look and see what other running backs are available real quick. And so this always happened to me. And and I, I never did a ton of prep work before the draft. I do a lot more prep work for the podcast than I did for the draft. But, uh, you know, guys would get thrown out and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a good name. And I, I would bet like bid, 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 bid. And then a couple rounds later, another guy would come up and be like, oh, man, I forgot about him. You know, and like I don't have any money anymore. So uh, I, I think... Based on the trends we see in the draft, I think that happens to a lot of the guys. Um, So I think if a Melvin Gordon comes up early, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, man, he's, I know he's a good name. I think he's going to be back soon. uh, And that price may go up. So if he shows up round one versus round six, I think obviously very different numbers that he can attract.
1: Yeah. We'll see what people's definition of value is if that happens, because Uh, Value as defined in the first round of nominations is very different than the value that you have in round six. So, um, if nobody has big name people on the roster yet, I'd be very interested to see how much they're willing to pay for somebody like that who gets thrown out there immediately. Um, So, I guess we need to talk about AB again.
0: This has to happen. It does, it does have to happen. All right, so here's the latest on AB. AB has filed another grievance with the NFL about his helmet. Now, according to Pro Football Talk, Antonio Brown's latest helmet grievance is over. However, we don't know what the results are. A decision is expected this week. So what they're saying and this is mike florio this second grievance is uh, i'm quoting here the second grievance is much stronger than the first one primarily because the first grievance was so weak this time around brown essentially is claiming the nfl has tried to ban the shut air advantage on the fly without giving him the same one year grace period that others like tom brady received when their preferred helmet helmet models were banned in 2018. So my understanding with this that was end quote, my understanding with this is that the NFL had not banned the shut air advantage. It did not appear on their approved list, but it did not appear on their rejected list either until Antonio Brown was trying to find a newer model, then the NFL went out and tested it and said, oh hey, that one's banned also. Uh, and that's that's where Antonio Brown's gripe comes into play. Now, I have not seen an arbitration in the NFL go the player's way for anything like this before, Tony. So I cannot imagine that Antonio Brown is going to be wearing his air his shut air advantage helmet, regardless of the year it was made.
1: I agree. I can't see this going his way. Uh, I think the NFL needs to take a stand on this. It's just it's, this grievance is all about a matter of definitions, really. So he's saying it wasn't on their approved list, but it wasn't on the rejected list. Uh, I mean, that's that's a matter of semantics. Like, if it's not on the approved list, then it's a rejected helmet is what it is. Um, it was always my understanding that last season was the grace period year for anybody who um, had a disapproved helmet. And I, I never got the impression they were carrying a one-year grace period for every helmet to me, it always seemed like last year was the last year you can wear any helmet that wasn't approved by the league. If they go and make a helmet, uh, they go and reject a helmet moving forward into this season. It's an immediate, um, it's you immediately can't wear it. There's no grace period anymore. You already had that season. Um, that was always my understanding of it. The fact that we're standing here on a fancy football podcast, two days before our draft, talking about a helmet is ridiculous. Um, Where do you think this affects his value?
0: You know, it. I don't. I don't think it does. The helmet situation specifically, to me. I think Antonio Brown at the end of the day is going to play. I. I think all of this was a little bit of just a way to get out of training camp. To be truthfully honest with you, um, I or maybe try to get headlines from Hard Knocks. I'm not exactly sure what, what his full motive was, but he's a flashy guy. He's a me, me, me guy. Uh, you know, ESPN is saying he's still going to be the fifth-ranked wide receiver. My concern with Antonio Brown is less about the helmet and him sitting out and all that, uh, less about the feet. It's more about Derek Carr. And you've said this before. Derek Carr has not been Roethlisberger. And so to... To miss out on all this training camp time, to miss out on the live reps with a, a quarterback who's not as talented as what you had, you're missing out on that timing. You're missing out on that connection. We know that quarterbacks and, and uh, wide receivers, chemistry is a big piece of it. And so it's really important that you you get that. So, And I don't know how much they have it at this point. That's my bigger concern.
1: Yeah, he's a uh, he's just red flag on top of red flag on top of red flag for me. Uh, this helmet thing is is minor; it's not going to affect his value implicitly. But um, like we've mentioned before, he doesn't have any chemistry with his team. It seems to be avoiding practice with his new team, um, so he can't he can't know what routes he's supposed to be running. Um, he doesn't really know the offense. He doesn't have chemistry with Carr. He doesn't have chemistry with Bruden. Um, And this team is not that good. They're going to lose some games. And you see what this guy does when he loses. Um, He's a mess. He can name Paul on that entire team. Like, to me, his draft value is very, very low for me. And I'm honestly considering a lot of his Raiders teammates, their values being really low because of the potential. This guy has to just blow the entire team up uh, if they start losing some games, which is likely
0: There was a stat floating around this week. Uh, So Ben Roethlisberger threw 16 interceptions last year. Ten were targeting Antonio Brown. He's a loud wide receiver. He demands the ball. And quarterbacks are going to listen to that and try to get him the ball. So it's great for Antonio Brown. He gets targeted, and it doesn't hurt Antonio Brown if they throw an interception. But it's going to hurt Derek Carr's stats if he's throwing interceptions. It's going to hurt the rest of the Raiders team if we're throwing interceptions because Antonio Brown isn't playing as a team. So I- I'm with you. I would be nervous. I would avoid Derek Carr at this point. Um, you know, Antonio Brown is still going to be the big target in the red zone. Antonio Brown's still going to catch a bunch of balls. Uh, I. I-, I- I have some injury concerns, less from the wide receiver than than a running back, but um, I I don't think I'm quite as down on him as you are. ESPN is saying he's 36.9. I would I would be a little less than that. Uh, I think some of that is they're still giving a Ben Roethlisberger quarterback, and I don't I don't think he's going to get that with from Derek Carr. So. I'll be curious to see about a 50 point drop off from last year. So he's, he earned 323.7 fantasy points last year. They're predicting 271 this year. So they are taking that into account a little bit, but I think that average, average auction value uh, is still maybe a little inflated. I would be more in the 30, 30 ish dollar range.
1: I don't know. I, th- I think I'm way, way lower on him than a lot of people are. I could still see somebody spending $40 on him. I, don't, I think we've had a couple people on his podcast who said if he was sitting around $40, they'd have to definitely think about it from a value standpoint. I think Dave was one of them. I want to say we had somebody else who, who mentioned that as well. Dave obviously has experience having Antonio Brown on his team and you know being part of the AB experience. But I, I could still see him going for $40 in this draft um, there's a lot of good receivers out there, but not many of them are going to go for the type of value that AB is there where the talent is just ridiculous, but because of his off the field stuff, he's dropped his values to this point. Uh, you could you could potentially be getting a top five wide receiver for $40. So, uh, the talent is there. It's just whether you think he can hold himself together and whether you think that offense can hold it together, especially if they're losing games. Um, you know, this this feels to me like, um, you know, when when Tio went off the grid in Philly and it's the entire offense just, you know, took a shit because he just he blew up the entire thing. I feel like that could happen here as well with the Antonio Brown. So, um, you know, it's a toss up. He's got that awesome potential to maybe be one of the best receivers in the game statistically. Or he's got that potential to only play in five or six games and be a complete distraction to everybody in that organization. So it comes down to where you think he stands in there. I still think he goes for forty bucks.
0: Yeah, I do too. I'm with you. I think I think people will pay for him. I just I wouldn't. Nor would I. Nor would I.
1: So moving on from a guy that we've talked about a ton to a guy that we haven't talked about a lot at all. Um, Cam Newton, just injured in the last, uh, last preseason game here a couple nights ago. Uh, left the game in a walking boot. Uh, sounds like it's a sprain at this point. Uh, he's questionable for week one. Uh, maybe the bigger discussion here is one we've already had. Uh, the validity of these preseason games and whether starters should be playing in them at all. But, you know, having talked about Cam a lot, uh, we think this does to his draft value because he's, he had a rough year last year, but he has consistently been a top five fantasy quarterback
0: throughout his career. Yeah. And uh, ESPN is already down on him. Well, I guess maybe less down on him and higher on everybody else, because they're predicting him for more points than last year, but a lower position rank. So they're expecting him to be 13 with an average auction value of 4.4. 4. You know, Cam's tricky because they—he always has really good defenses. Like he, the guy can't win. He. He puts up crazy fantasy numbers, and and I know we're in the business of fantasy football here, so we don't really care if the teams win or not. But at some point, it's going to start hitting him a little bit, and I, I, I'm nervous that this is going to be that year. I feel like this is kind of a make-or-break year for him. Uh, he's always been that like middle-tier guy. He doesn't want to be middle-tier guy. He wants to be elite guy, and so is he going to try to do too much? Uh, maybe that's running, he gets hurt, maybe that's throwing, and we know he's not that accurate of a passer. So I'm just, I am a little bit nervous about Cam. I generally avoid Cam. Uh, I just, I, I, there's a lot of guys out there who are really good who get a lot of numbers, who don't have the risks that are associated with Cam.
1: I think you're starting to see all the hits he's taken over the year start to compound, and now he's having a lot of injury concerns which is the issue when you run him at the goal line as your goal line running back for years and years and years. It's great for fantasy points. It's not great for protecting your quarterback, especially when you don't have anybody behind him who can step in and carry the offense the way he does. So this is, uh, this is worrisome to me that he's already hurt. Um, The season hasn't even started because that pretty much blew up the Carolina season last year when his shoulder started going downhill, he couldn't throw the ball past 20 yards downfield. Still put up some fairly good fantasy numbers just because of the way he plays. Um, it's a shame because I think coming into the season, I thought he had a lot of really good bounce back potential because they, he really didn't get a lot of those goal line rushing touchdowns last year that he normally gets. Or you would see, you know, the the positive regression come back this season where he gets in a couple more times and gets some more fantasy points out of it. But if he's already hobbling on his foot. That's going to have an effect on his passing. That's going to have an effect on his rushing ability. Uh, That's not a good start to the season. Um, I think he might be down. I I think the $4 is probably pretty fair for where you can see him going. You know, he does have some merit. He does have a history in fantasy of being a top performer. Um, But I think his days of going for 10 plus dollars in our drafts are over.
0: Yeah. And I, The quarterback position in general is really interesting. So Deshaun Watson's the only guy off the board. So the number one ranked quarterback right now, Patrick Mahomes, is going on ESPN for just shy of 30, 29.7. Matt Ryan, number two, averaging 6.6. So people are paying thirty for Mahomes and six or seven for Matt Ryan. Now they're projecting a thirty-four point difference. You know, and over over a thirteen-week season, that's you know what three points. It's not that big of a difference for a whole lot of money difference. You know, even Big Ben here uh, is going for for two point one. So they're projecting that Cam will go higher. Than that, but not have the output that uh, some of these other guys are going to have.
1: That's really interesting. I, I don't want to get too far into the dollars and cents of of that discussion yet, because we're we're going to play the prices right here with these uh, draftable players in a little bit. And Pat Mahomes is definitely going to be one of those that we that we talk about there. But yeah, the massive disparity in, in price between. Just the top quarterback and the second ranked quarterback. And from what, like you mentioned, the point disparity is not that big. It just shows you, you know, what your reputation can get you in fantasy football. You have a, a year like Mahomes did last year where he was a monster. Um, and then you see the same potential in that Chiefs offense this year. Um, you know, it's easy to get intoxicated and see why people are spending 30 bucks for him. But at the end of the day, you got to back up and ask yourself is it really wise for me to spend $30 on a quarterback? Um, We'll discuss that a little more here
0: in a little bit. So one last guy I want to bring up, Tony, um, because he's from our hometown Browns, and that's Kareem Hunt. So Kareem Hunt is suspended. He comes back week nine, correct? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, week 10, uh, I think because of bye weeks. Because of the bye week, so, okay inactive until week 10 against Buffalo. So you would essentially have him week 10, 11, 12, 13 and then playoffs. So four regular season and then whatever you would do in the playoffs. How much I guess not not to go to the prices right game, but you take him. I mean this is another kind of like kind of Zeke more of maybe of a Melvin Gordon type situation. It's not a contract issue. It's it's a suspension. So he's not injured. Uh, it's not a contract thing. Everything points to, he will play when he comes back. Uh, but is that a guy that you would shy away from? Is that a guy you would stash? What would you do with Kareem Hunt here? I
1: think he has immense value in keeper league for where he's probably going to end up going. Um, you're not going to spend big bucks on him because you're not going to have him for almost the entire season. Uh, if, if your season goes south immediately, maybe you run into some injuries in the first couple of weeks. And by week 10, you're already out of the playoff race. You know, he could come back and save you from the toilet bowl potentially, but he, he's probably not going to be able to rely on him to get you through the playoffs too much then, but you might have a really nice keeper price on him. Um, do you know what price he's going for right now? on The ESPN
0: average Well, see, and this is where it gets tricky because – so he's going for 2.1, and I think this is where we get a flaw in the ESPN model is that they also go off of mock drafts. So if I'm doing a mock draft, I'm not taking Kareem Hunt. There's no keeper in a mock draft. So, you know, I would love to see this number broken down into keeper leagues because I think that's going to be the better value, like you said. Um, So he's at 2.1 now, but I think that's a very flawed number. I would agree.
1: Um I, I don't think he goes for more than ten bucks in our league, but i could I could definitely see him going for five, six, seven, maybe even eight or nine dollars, uh, depending on how aggressively people want to have him as a keeper option for them. Um, if they can stash him with a couple other really good running backs that they have already on the roster, I think it makes a lot of sense. And then you saw the merits of having, A player, especially at the running back position, come in with fresh legs last year in the playoffs with C.J. Anderson. Uh, Kareem Hunt, obviously, way more talented than C.J. Anderson is. You hit a defense with a fresh Kareem Hunt in Week 10. The fantasy potential is just sky's the limit on that. And then you have him as a good keeper value. You don't know where he's going to be next year. Is he going to come back for a second year in Cleveland? He's only on a one-year deal. He might be able to go get himself a featured role someplace else. So while his potential this season is fairly limited because of the number of games he'll be in, he could help you with a stretch run and then he could be an extremely attractive keeper option for you moving forward. So I think he's definitely a good one to bring up as we're talking about this. I, I would say he goes in the seven eight dollar range. That's going to be my guess.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a bad a bad guess there. You know. So if we work backwards here. So when Kareem Hunt comes back, the Browns play the Bills at home, the Steelers at home, the Dolphins at home. So there's the, there's the rest of the fantasy regular season, three home games, one divisional rival. Then in the playoffs, we would uh, Browns are going at Steelers, home against Bengals, at Cardinals. So Kareem Hunt would be coming in for major potentially playoff implications as Browns fans were hoping playoff implications. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know your point of C.J. Anderson last year, Kareem Hunt obviously a lot better than. Kareem Hunt Uh, you know Nick Chubb is going to be taking on the the whole workload here for those first you know the first uh, nine games of the season he's going to need a break you're going to have a one-two punch if I don't have a solid running back but I have an okay team we saw last year in our fantasy league that those bubble teams were all within a game of each other and there was a a three-way tie on record going into the playoffs with you know another another team you know team on each side of that bubble uh, with just one more win and one more loss. So you know, maybe if you can stay in the middle of the pack and wait for him, that's a, that's not a bad draft. Uh, so I, I'm with you on that. I, I would I would even maybe jump a little bit higher. I would jump up to fifteen. Uh, if I had the money, but it would be later, I wouldn't sacrifice a current running back for it. but, but Kareem Hunt's gonna come in and I think light some stuff up uh, in the in that last quarter of the season.
1: Yeah, fifteen would be interesting. i could I could probably see somebody like Steve doing that move where he already has a couple discount running backs, so doesn't have a lot of money tied up in the position, but has a lot of good talent. So he can afford to spend $15 on a cream hunt. He's not going to play for you immediately. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to spend too much money at the position in the draft and probably aren't going to be able to spend that type of money. But that's a good point. Uh, there probably are a, a small handful of handful of people in the league who can afford to spend up to 15 on somebody to sit on their bench for a little bit.
0: All right, Tony. Now let's, let's go into some more draft talk here. We like to always point out who who spent the most, who was the highest uh, dollar amount in each position. And so let's go, through, let's go through each position. What do you say?
1: Yeah, let's do it. The price is right. Let's do it.
0: All right, Tony. First one, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback. ESPN is projecting 340 points this season. They're also projecting. Projecting, as I mentioned earlier, he's going to go for just shy of thirty. Tony, how much does Patrick Mahomes go for in our league? Uh, not
1: thirty. <laughs> I do think he goes for the most money. I don't think that's a question. Um, but as we as we talked about offline a little bit with the mock drafts, you know the format of those. People log in, they spend about ten minutes playing around in it, and then after that, everybody gets out. And nobody's sitting there doing a two-hour hour-and-a-half, two-hour mock draft, um, that doesn't mean anything for players are not going to keep. So in that first 10 minutes, somebody who is playing with money that isn't theirs at that point, they don't have to live with this roster that they put together all season, spends up for Patrick Mahomes 30 bucks just to see uh, who they can pair him with uh, as far as the draft values go, just kind of allows you to play around with the numbers a little bit. If I spend X amount on Patrick Mahomes, who can I also get running back? That type of thing. So people get into a feeding frenzy in the first 10 minutes over the top quarterback and the price ends up going up, 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 up. That's not real life in that one. So that big uh, dollar disparity you talked about before where it goes from $30 to $6 for the second rank QB, Matt Ryan. I think that $6 is real because at that point, the mock drafts are all on auto draft and everybody's going for about their actual value. So that Mahomes number is inflated to me. I would be beyond shocked if somebody spent $30 in our league for him.
0: You know, you bring up auto draft and I, I don't think anybody's planning on auto drafting this year. But should something come up where somebody has to auto draft ESPN will bid up to that projected value, so this is definitely one. If somebody's auto drafting, you're getting Patrick Mahomes, and you're spending up to thirty dollars for Patrick Mahomes, you know, unless unless you tweak your uh, tweak your settings. So, I, I'm with you. I don't think anybody spends thirty on Mahomes. However, if you're a guy like Groover who isn't putting a whole lot of money in on running backs because he got some really good value, but has really good talent. You may have a little extra money to throw around there. And he is projected 34 points above. I mean, a lot of these games do get close. I'm not saying he goes for 30. Is it 20.
1: Yeah, that's the number I was going to go with. I'm going to go with 20. If we're putting a number on it in this game, Uh, I think he goes for $20. Uh, We discussed a couple times, mainly when Steve was on here, um, the merits of Patrick Mahomes and also some of the potential risks for this year. You know, He had a statistically ridiculous year last year. Uh, From an analytics perspective, it's almost a near certainty he's going to come back down to a little bit this year. Um, So to project that he's going to put up the same touchdown numbers that he did in his rookie season when he caught everybody by surprise, is probably false so i think his his points are going to go down a little bit i wouldn't say that really affects his value i think he'll still end as a top three quarterback in fantasy so i think twenty dollars is probably a very real expectation here Uh, traditionally in our league we've seen the top quarterbacks go for 20 a little over 20 um, but it seems like when most quarterbacks go for north of 20 in our drafts, they don't really see the payoff to that. And I think you're going to see some of the impact of that in our draft on Monday, uh, where people are a little more gun shy to go past that $20 mark for the top QB. But I do think he hits it.
0: Yeah, and ESPN is projecting him to come back down to earth a bit. So they he had 50 touchdowns last year, total fantasy points, 417 This year, they're projecting 35 touchdowns and 340 points. So they are expecting him to come back down to earth a bit. Uh, I still, I mean, that's still going to be an incredible year for him. Uh, I just, I, we have some guys who chase names. And I can tell you, you know, from a guy who got torched a couple times by Patrick Mahomes facing, you know, when I faced Steve last year, you know, you'd see him put up those 30 point games and you're just like, man, I wish I had that guy. Uh, and if he can put up numbers similar to that, and you're like, that's a, you know, essentially a guaranteed 30 points every week versus, you know, some of these middle tier quarterbacks who have, who are so roller coastery, it's hard to plan on them for anything. You know, I could see a guy going, going high. And if it, if it turns into two guys going against each other, that's when you get the competition comes out. You look next guy, Matt Ryan doesn't really get you excited. So. I think 20. I'm with you, but I I could see higher, uh, and I have a a couple coaches in mind I won't mention who I think will go that high for him. But uh, you know, I'll say it: a guy like Kalen King, who has shown that he will spend a lot of money, he does value quarterbacks. I could see him throwing down a lot of cash for somebody like Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, bold prediction for this year though. I don't think Kalen Chase is the big name quarterback this year. I, he seems to vary his strategy year to year. Um, went for three quarterbacks last year. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure that he's going to go chasing Mahomes. But we'll see. We'll see in a couple days who ends up being right on that one. So let's move on to the running back position. You know, the, the whole point of this uh, this game is to try and identify on our sides who we think the top paid player is going to be come Monday night. Um, But when we go to the running back position, there's not really much of a guess, I don't think. You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody out there who would say anyone but Saquon Barkley is going to get that uh, top spot. So that's not our question at this point. Let's let's frame it this way. The most money anybody has ever spent in our draft for a player is $70 spent on Odell Beckham by Kalen King two seasons ago for the 2017 season. Derek, do you think... Saquon Barkley goes for north of 70 and sets a new record in our league
0: this year. No, I, I, I think 70 is that number you don't cross. I think 65 might be that number you don't cross. Uh, and, and I think using Kalen's example is a good one. So, Kalen was a rookie coach, you know, kind of still learning it. I don't think he'd done any mock drafts and goes up 70 for OBJ and then what happens to obg's out the rest of the season and almost half of your budget went to a guy who isn't playing the giants are bad they have a quarterback controversy they, the entire team is going to be on barkley's shoulders and he's going to feel that so if you're going north of 70 if you're going north of 65 and He doesn't perform or doesn't play. I don't think it's a question of perform. If he doesn't play because of injury, your season is gone because you don't have good backups because you spent so much on Saquon. So I don't think he goes north of 70. I don't think he goes 65, but I think he's right there.
1: Yeah, the Odell story definitely serves as a cautionary tale on that one from Kalen's experience. But when I look around at the running back group as a whole, and you look at the top names, so you're going to have Saquon, you're going to have Le'Veon Bell, you're going to have Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Melvin Gordon's up there. Saquon has the least amount of question marks of any of them. Um, Yes, the Giants offense is extremely rough. They're going to be in for a rough season, but if you, if you think that Saquon can handle the load um, of having the entire offense on his back, which at his young age he might be able to do, there's going to be an endless amount of touches for him in that offense. I'm going to go the other direction from you. I think he definitely eclipses $65. Uh, I don't think that part is a question. And I do think he hits $71, $72 in this draft because uh, – We've talked to a couple, couple coaches who say they're willing to spend whatever it takes to get top players. Um, someone like someone like Joe, someone like Dave. Um, there's some other coaches in our league that we know are not afraid to spend some money uh, and are looking to go broke in the first 10 minutes. This is a good way to do it and to make sure that you get the the top guy on the board, that if he's playing every week, he's pretty much a guaranteed 20 to 30 points just with the number of touches he gets. So I think he does it. I think we have a new record holder when Monday night clears and the dust settles.
0: You know, we might, and I think they will immediately regret it because here's the thing with the giants. Now you don't have OBJ. So that big deep pass threat gone on. So that, you know, double threat that you had now, you don't know who your quarterback's going to be. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. They're going to be trying to air it out. But at the end of the day, all of that is going to fall on Saquon. And I just I don't know. I mean, he he hasn't had big injury concerns like there's, there's no real basis for this other than he's just going to be the only workhorse in uh, for the New York Giants. And how how can he stay healthy through that?
1: Yeah, the dif- the difference is going to be, you know, you look at the way the Giants built their team this year, uh, very different than last year. So you remove the deep threat, but you they also bulked up the offensive line big time. They are looking to uh, turn back the clock, run the ball a little bit, keep games close for whether it's Eli or Daniel Jones playing QB for him. Keep it tight. So I, I think it's a possibility you could actually see some more rushing touchdowns out of Saquon this year, especially early on in the season when people are healthy. Um, It seemed like he did a lot more of his damage through the air last year in an offense that was trying to throw the ball quite a bit more than they probably will be doing this year. But, you know, all those targets, OBJ out of the lineup now, they got to go to somebody. People are still going to be catching balls there. I think Saquon is going to be a big one because of how big of a matchup problem he is. You know, it's really, really difficult from a defensive standpoint to fix uh, your defensive matchups on running backs coming out of the backfield. Uh, It's not impossible. You can do it, but it takes a lot of work. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, defensive coordinators out there who are just going to be like, you know what? We're we're going to let Saquon get his yards in the passing game. Um, we're going to let him do it. Uh, we're going to keep him in front of us. So it's going to be catch-tackle every time. Let him get that, those eight catches for 35 yards or whatever. That's not going to kill us. Um, so from a, a real football standpoint, it might not really – rack up the stats and move the offense the way they want. But from a fantasy standpoint, you know, that's a pretty good point production right there. And that's not even factoring any rushing or any touchdowns. So I still think there's a, if he's healthy, he's going to produce. I don't think that's a question. So for these people looking to spend big money at the position, it just comes down to whether you think Saquon can stay on the field all season.
0: Yeah, I and mean, ESPN is projecting Saquon to go ten dollars more than the next guy, and that's Zeke. Uh, you know, so ESPN is seeing people spend a lot of money for him. Um, I, I would be cautious too. I just I wouldn't want all of that money tied up in one guy. But then again, uh, you know, been in the Thunder Bowl playoffs the last two years, so maybe that that's maybe that's the ticket. Is uh, going going for broke on Saquon. Uh, if he plays all year, I, I still think you get solid value because I think he's he's worth every penny if he plays. It's just it, it, if you believe he's going to play the whole, at least all 13 regular season games for you or not.
1: I, I agree with you. In fact, it's a lot to put on his shoulders. So we'll see if he can handle it. And I don't think that Giants team is going to be very good. So, but being as young as he is works to his advantage in this one. If somebody can handle a massive amount of touches he's going to be getting, it's probably him. So um, that's the toss up there. And somebody coming from how many injuries I've had to endure on my fantasy teams over the last couple of years, it's definitely something I would be questioning, but you know, the risk might be worth the reward. in that point, if you get him through the entire season, you're probably going to be in the playoff picture and in the championship picture at the end of the day.
0: To move on, Tony. Saquon's going to go for a ton of money. I'm curious to see what it is. Uh, But let's look at one of my favorite positions, tight end. So the number one uh, projected points getter, Evan Ingram, again from the New York Giants. Uh, ESPN's projecting he goes for 8.7 and earns 177 points. Tony, where do you think he goes?
1: I think, I think Evan Ingram goes for right around there. I think the $8 range is probably good. I'm going to throw out another name out there that I think uh, will go for even more money to tighten end position, um, and he has his own risk attached to him. I think Hunter Henry goes for north of $10. I think he goes for 10 or 11 bucks in that Chargers offense that already has Keenan Allen banged up a little bit. Should be ready for week one, but um, you know how... Phillip Rivers likes to lean on a tight end position. He didn't really have anybody to do that with last year. So kind of forced him out of his comfort zone in the red zone a little bit. He likes to throw to the tight end position when they're down in the red zone. And having a weapon like Hunter Henry back, you know, he has his own concerns coming off of an ACL tear, but he did it so early last year that I think he has a little more time in his recovery than most people probably do coming back from that injury. I mean, he did it in OTAs last season didn't even make it to training camp so he's had additional time to rest up uh he has uh the best quarterback of the 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 top three that i'm thinking it's evan ingram it's oj howard and it's hunter henry he's got the best quarterback of the three um given those options i think hunter henry goes for the most i'm going to put an 11 dollar stamp on him
0: you know the reason that i don't think he will is because espn with their play- player rankings it's not a projected player ranking so to speak it's a what did you do last year player ranking where he's 119 so espn will auto default to player rank on the bids or on the uh, on the draft board so unless you go and and sort by fantasy points projected Hunter Henry's not even going to be on your list. So I think somebody who listens to this podcast gets a little little bit of an advantage and will know that Hunter Henry is not just some, you know, guy that somebody throws on the board to try to get people to overspend. Um, So I think Euro would be where he should be. But I think because of the way ESPN does these player ranks, uh, I think he's going to go for less than, because because he had an ACL tear last year. I think a lot of people don't know who he is. He plays on the West Coast, uh, um, and he's going to be buried in your in your list. So uh, I I I think he goes less than ten dollars, uh, strictly because of that player rank situation. Yeah, it could be. If people got to dig
1: through and search for him on draft day, that is definitely going to hurt his value. It just comes down to. Whether they go in with the idea of putting Hunter Henry at the top of their list, I think they probably should. He should definitely be up there. But um, you know, we only have five owners right now that don't have a tight end one. So that field is small, but they could potentially be looking to spend around $10, 15 for a good tight end to just ensure that they have points coming to them every week. So if he's on their board, I think it's very possible he gets that $10 mark. But like, like you said – it comes out to how much work they do prior to the draft, knowing that he's out there.
0: Yeah, and so I just uh, resorted by player rank and the guys that come up top now are Eric Ebron, Austin Hooper, Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton, David and Joku. I think a joku goes because he's the local guy, right? Um, but when you when you sort by fantasy points, it's uh You know, it's Evan Ingram, it's O.J. Howard, it's Hunter Henry, it's Austin Hooper, and then Njoku. So if those are your top five, it's very different than if you're sorting by player rank. And so it all depends on who gets put up on the board. And uh, we're going to call that a frosty podcast advantage if you're grabbing Hunter Henry.
1: Yeah, and the other name I threw out there too, O.J. Howard, he got hit with injuries last year too. He would be up there in that list from a point standpoint if he hadn't gotten hurt. So there's some good value if you're willing to just scroll your your uh, screen a little bit further down on draft day. You can come up with some really good tight ends for some good value.
0: Yep. Lesson well, to those who are going to be new in auction, sort by fantasy points projected. Hi, right, Tony. Let's go to wide receivers.
1: A good one to wrap up with. There's some really big names up there at the receiver position in this draft. This is probably the most talent rich position that we have for draft night. You know, most people kept their running backs. You saw a big number of tight ends kept. Um, You know, receivers are a bit star studded. You have Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham. Uh, You got some serious talent up there. Uh, Who are you thinking goes as the top receiver and for what
0: price that's a really tough one Uh, ultimately I think I'm between the Adams and Julio Jones to be honest I think uh you know how how many years does Drew Brees have of being an elite quarterback we're starting to see him fall off Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan I think is still right there towards the end Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to look to really, you know, he was he was hurt almost all year last year. Still played, but was hurt. Um, so I think, you know, they're looking for a signature year. Aaron Rodgers is, so I, I think it's going to be it's going to be Julio Jones as number one, and I think he's going to be fifty to fifty-five. I think he's going to be the guy that doesn't get one of those top running backs and is looking to get a top wide receiver.
1: That's interesting. He's definitely. I, I probably. I have the same top two that you do. Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. I'm going to swing the other direction. I think Devontae Adams is going to be the top receiver taken. I I could see him going for fifty seven dollars. The top receiver in our draft is typically gone a little bit north of fifty five every year. You know, the Odell Beckham year being the anomaly, but we've we've seen Julio Jones go for fifty eight. We've seen Michael Thomas go for 56, and, and normally it's a pretty safe position to do that at. Those guys usually do produce pretty well if their quarterback remains upright. So you mentioned the Aaron Rodgers injuries of last year. He's healthy now. He's got a new uh, coach in there, but you, I don't know if the coach so much matters in this instance. You know that Rodgers loves to feed the ball to Adams, and he's an extremely tough player to cover, uh, especially in that division. There's not a lot of great corners that can match up with him, and they've – uh, Rogers is always pretty good with his location of putting that ball where the defender can't get him, even if it's perfectly covered. So that's a match made in heaven there. Rogers and Adams, they were going to hook up for 10 plus times a game. Um, he's the guy he looks for in the red zone, much any situation. So as long as Rogers stays healthy, uh, I think Adams has really, really high potential. You know, Steve had him for a bit of a bargain last year. I think he's was paid around Forty-eight, forty-nine bucks for him. Um, he's at his true value this year. I think you're going to see him go for a little more than fifty-five. I think the person that gets him is probably going to be pretty happy with what they get from him too.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think the head coach matters for Green Bay because they're they've already talked about expanding the running game. Expanding the running game helps the passing game. So, I I think uh, Julio Jones is more the household name. That's why I think he goes first and higher. But I think uh, I think um, amongst these top three, they're all going to go for around the same amount between the 50 to 55 range. Um, Odell Beckham's the, the really interesting one there because he has the the local connection. Uh, but, you know, as m- much as I think we all love Baker, there's still question marks. I mean, Baker's not Rogers. Baker's not Breeze. Uh, Baker's not Matt Ross. So, and you have you have other big name uh, tools in Cleveland, big name targets in Cleveland. Odell's gonna be the interesting one there. I could see somebody going a little nutso go you know the Homer pick, but I, I ultimately don't think it happens. So what would
1: that look like for you from a dollar standpoint? What do you think Odell's going for?
0: i think if if the other guys are going, eclipsing the 55 mark like you're saying they will. Um I think Odell's going to be close behind them in the in the 45 to 50 closer to $50 range.
1: Okay, I I definitely think he goes for 50, probably not much more than that. You know, he's got to have the Cleveland connection here. He's getting a much better quarterback than he's ever had throwing to him. Um, The questions for him are always injury related and they're around the Browns offense in its entirety, because we've already talked quite a bit about the number of mouths to feed in that offense right now. And how much of the volume do you think Odell's going to be getting is always the question. Um, But I have a hard time seeing him go for less than 50, just given the talent and given that you're marrying that talent together with a quarterback who's accurate enough to finally find him consistently. um, There's enough potential there. And, probably enough hometown bias in this draft to consider he's probably going for fifty little more. I don't think he hits fifty five. Like some of these other ones probably will because, you know, there's there's more of a track record with those guys in their in those cities playing with those quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, he's going to be another one that's going to be interesting to look out for. He's he's had a little bit of a hip injury in practice, but I don't think it's anything serious. It seems like they're just kind of he's just kind of sick of training camp at this point, and the the coaches at this point are just uh, trying to keep him out of anything that could possibly injure him because they want him healthy for the season. He hasn't played in the preseason, so really he's still a complete mystery from as far as game reps go with Baker. But I still see him going for fifty.
0: Quite possibly, uh, and w- it'll be interesting to see what what these guys do end up going for. And we're gonna, it, it's something that's been brought up multiple times here, that especially from the running back spot, but I think the wide receiver spot too, because of the keeper league that we have, that these are, are going for potentially much more than ESPN projects they will. So we're gonna track that, we're gonna report that back out here uh, after the draft and see see if we were right and and If so, how much more they go for. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting, you know, a couple guys down there below that, you know, Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Brandon Cooks, I think are all going to go north, definitely north of 35, most of them probably north of 40, 45 area. Um, So there's going to be a lot of money spent on on wide receivers, not surprising in the PPR league.
1: Yeah, the interesting part is the receiver position might be the one that mirrors the ESPN rankings the closest of them because uh, there's not a real dearth of talent in our draft from a receiver standpoint because not a lot of people kept receivers Um, from the other positions, running back, tight end. Obviously, those positions have been changed drastically as far as what's available come Monday night. So those prices are probably going to be completely different than what ESPN has them at. But I could actually see the wide receiver numbers coming in closer to where the ESPN averages are. Probably not one for one, especially at the top. But I don't think the disparity is going to be as big as it's going to be at some other positions.
0: No, I, I agree. I'm I'm really curious. Uh, the the researcher side of me is uh, very interested to see what, what comes of all of this.
1: Well, the haze in the barn at this point. We've, uh, we've discussed it all. We've, uh, we've gone through uh, a lot of the big names, a lot of the situations, some of them ad nauseum, some of the lesser names, Matthew Stafford. Uh, people in our league should definitely be well-prepared for this draft, and it's uh,
0: about time to do the thing, Derek. That it is, Tony. That is all for our draft preview from the Frosty Podcast. Tony, our next episode, we're talking week one of the regular season. We're going to have a whole new format. I'm excited, Tony. You ready for the season to start?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm ready for some real football. None of this preseason stuff. Uh, let's let's see what our actual rosters look like. Let's see who's excited after draft night. Let's see who is uh, a little dejected by the way things went. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to get to week one and get those week one matchups rolling.
0: All right. So next time we'll be here, it'll be in preparation for week one of the regular season. We're going to talk a little bit of draft recap. We're going to get you ready for week one. And I'll tell you who your lineup should be on behalf of the fortune 500 league. He's Tony Perini. I'm Derek Frost. Buckle up, baby seasons here.